In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about daddy making us vomit, eating dodos, the ocean, and using violence to get ahead in life in our discussion of The Kingdom by Jess Rothenberg. everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. And today we're going to discuss The Kingdom by Jess Rothenberg. Standard disclaimer. If you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book. Then come back. If you haven't done this, but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. Yeah. Yay! We're so pretty today in our tiaras and our magic kingdom ears. Magical kingdom, yes. not Disney TM. Even though it is. Totally is. It is. It's fantastic. It's I'm not affiliated with Disney, no. Disney Corporation. No. I just, I just threw, I just, I was wearing these and then suddenly I stumbled on my computer and the, the microphone and we just so happened to be talking about yeah. uh, Westworld style, Disney style yeah. book. Yeah. It's a total coincidence. It's weird how that happened. It's so weird. So. <laughs> is that the background information that is we the just background stumbled <laughs> yes we accidentally just stumbled upon you know okay so the background info that i found has nothing to do with this book but it does have to do with the author and one of the books or book series that she used to edit before Ooh. becoming an author do you know what it was what, 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 what? Vampire Academy? Yes! <laughs> Six degrees of vampires. Love it. We had to get Amazing. We had to get the vampires in somewhere. And there were no vampires involved in the book, and so like I had I had to find something. I mean, that's perfect. Yeah. Mwah. yeah. Just kiss. Such a good job editing those books. Way to go, Jess Rothenberg. Way to go. <laughs> Best YA vampire series, hands down. <laughs> In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talked about vampires. <laughs> no one is surprised. Oh, oh, yeah. So that's that's the background info. I love it. Vampires. I love it so much. Yes, vampires. Of course, of course. Yeah. Oh dear me! I think I've already given my initial thoughts. By the way, what? it's a Westworld Disney. Yes. Thing, which is fun yeah so fun i would like to share my background i mean my initial thought when finding this book trying to decide if we should discuss it or not this was it was clinched for me that this was the one that we needed to discuss to go along with our robot theme this month robot uprising first review on goodreads evil disney Evil Robot Disney with murder and also technology. Evil Robot Disney of the future. Thank Sold. you. Thank you to Emma. Whoever you are, Emma on Goodreads. 
who provided that <laughs> review. That's all I needed to know. Yeah. The end. Sold. <laughs> fantastic this week on fictional hangover we talked about evil disney evil robot disney with murder and also technology evil robot disney of the future and vampires and vampires (laughs) in our discussion of the kingdom by jess rothenberg (laughs) (laughs) oh do we need anything else no we should just get started i was gonna say do we need anything else of the show Nope. This episode next week. is now over. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us. <laughs> it's been 481 days since Dr. Foster last spoke to Anna. He tells her this will be their last interview, and then she can rest. Dr. Foster says that it would be the right thing to do, and he'll let her see her sisters if she does. Anna is not in the mood for his games. Dr. Foster demands she tell him what she did with the body. (gasps) Yes, immediate murder. First chapter murder. (laughs) Two years earlier, Anna is riding the monorail in the kingdom where she meets a little girl called Clara. As the signal is strong on the monorail, Anna is able to download all the information stored about Clara based on her facial recognition. These interactions are her favourite part about the kingdom. Anna is a fantasist, a hybrid developed in a lab to help create those happily ever after moments for guests while the park is open. She has a few hours of freedom each day to explore the confines of the park and at night, Anna spends the quiet hours wandering the virtual world as far as her firewalls will allow while her system updates. Last night, Anna was thinking about her sister, Alice, one of the original fantasists. She was found ripped apart after being stolen. Her story is a cautionary tale their mother tells them to stay inside the walls of the kingdom. Mother oversees the seven fantasists' well-being and aesthetics, making sure they are plucked, washed, moisturized, manicured, dressed to perfection, and that they take their food supplements every day, while Daddy checks their physical and psychological well-being. Can I just go ahead and say right now that Daddy grosses me the fuck out? Yes. Can I point out that Daddy intrudes my is not good for my physical or psychological well-being no ugh. 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 gross i'm okay with mother hey mother 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 knows best <laughs> the fantasists don't live in the castle as guests often think but instead they live in a sterile unmarked building at the far end of the park After they are dressed, they are taken to the castle to greet the guests. Eve, the first fantasist who, at the park's bicentennial celebration, was presented with a special tiara, leads her sisters at the presentation. Anna notices that Nia, her sister who works in the lagoon and performs as a mermaid, looks tense as she walks into the crowd. As Anna goes about her day in the park, she forgets about Nia's tense look. The kingdom is almost an extension of Anna. She knows its hidden paths and the names of all the babies born in the animal park, from the extinct species to the ones dreamed up by the kingdom, like elephants striped like zebras, owls fanged like cats, 
wolves as fast as cheetahs, and Arabian horses with butterfly wings. And, more importantly, she knows the Wi-Fi blind spots. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Because the fantasists are always being watched from the security cameras and their ocular implants, they have developed their own secret language. During the quiet hours, Nia asks Anna, Why don't the robins ever leave their nest? Because the nest keeps them safe. Remember Alice. Remember the outside world is a bad place filled with violence, poverty, terror, and horror. That sounds like a lie. Does it though? Look out the window. I mean... (laughs) Okay, you're right. You're right. Take it back. <laughs> Don't look at the news and you'll live in happy ignorance. Yes, yes, Turn of all notifications off. Yes. Do not engage Twitter. No. Twitter is a cesspool, a glittery cesspool, remember? Yes. Well, one day Kaya asks Anna to accompany her to see the new animal exhibit, a polar bear. <laughs> I would so go and cuddle the tiddly, tiddly, tiddly bear. No, no. Biggest dangerous mammal. Don't, Don't do, do it. it, Claire. Don't, Don't do, do it. it, Claire. Mm-mm. Cameron Casey, one of the animal trainers, and let's face it, he's an all-round creepy asshole sleazeball. <laughs> he told Kaya to come at the end of the day and bring a friend. Though he had hoped it would be the mermaid, not Anna. Ugh. Kaya is one of the older fantasists without the ability to create her own things to say, so she has to cycle through preset scripts. Some of Anna's sisters say cruel things about Kaya behind her back, calling her defective. Eve once said the investors don't mind, but then they might not do much talking at the VIP events, and Kaya does not remember or fully understand them anyway. Anna does not get Eve's insinuation. We do. We do, and it's disgusting. Anna looks at the polar bear and sees an unfamiliar boy in the enclosure with it. She is able to access employee nude records and download the information to learn that this is Owen Chen, a maintenance worker with clearance level 10. That's higher than hers. Why does What's that... a maintenance guy doing with it so high? Exactly. Hmm. Cameron Casey isn't gentle when he grabs the bear cub and doesn't respond well to Anna challenging his behaviour. She is reminded of other incidents where Cameron Casey wasn't being kind or nurturing to the park's animals. Cameron Casey calls Kaya and Anna creepy. He doesn't want to talk, but at least they're nice to look at. Gross. Anna picks up on his threatening behaviour and enters safe mode. He then says he wants to show Anna something in the VIP room, but Kaya volunteers to go in her stead. Honestly, Cameron Casey doesn't care which of them it is. Gross. Gross. He is. Horrible. Anna wakes up later, crying, and Eve whispers to her not to let Daddy see. I think every time, every time Daddy appears, I just want to vomit. There's like a reflux, isn't it? Yeah. Auto reflux. Anna was dreaming about Cameron Casey taking Kaya down a corridor. She feels scared, not by the memory, but that she was dreaming on account of her being a robot. Physically, she's fine, but she doesn't know how to say that there's something wrong with her. She wants to cry, but crying isn't in her programming. 
During an hour of free time, Anna asks Nia to accompany her to look at the animals. Nia pays no attention to the animals, but instead she is fascinated by a guest's cell phone. Fantasists aren't permitted a phone. It will put them at risk from an unsecure internet connection. Nia sends Anna off on her own to watch the lions who have taken down a zebra. There she finds Owen, who has been sent to clean the carcass, stripping fleshy bits from the technology. As he's separating the pieces, Owen notes that no part of the zebra was eaten and that there are defects in the animal's fight-or-flight system. Not long after being mesmerised by the phone, Nia is taken away and the other fantasists don't know how she will be punished for whatever it is that she's done. Eve points out that they know the rules and have to accept the consequences. They won't cut her hair or lock her in a tower, as her sisters speculate. They'll shut her down. Anna doesn't see Owen around the park much, so she has started tracking his employee ID. As a fantasist, she's used to being looked at and sought out, so why isn't Owen trying to find her? Mm. Did she say something or do something wrong? Her attempts to establish a connection with him don't work, and if anything, seem to push him away. After ten weeks, Nia returns, and strangely, when Anna asks where the robin was nesting, she doesn't understand their language. Nia also doesn't talk to her during the quiet hours, take her hand, or pepper her with funny questions, like she always used to do. One day, Nia asks to see the polar bear show. Even though Anna is apprehensive about seeing Cameron Casey again, she agrees to go. The polar bear doesn't come out and Anna is worried there is something wrong with it too, so she sneaks backstage. Cameron Casey is with the chained animal, shouting at it and cracking his whip, drawing the bear's bioengineered blood as he berates it. Anna feels numb and rage at the same time and climbs into the enclosure to calm the bear down. Cameron Casey comes in, drags Anna off the bear and shouts and screams at her before throwing her out. Anna goes back to Nia, who seems more like her old self, and promises to talk to Anna later. Meanwhile, the set on the stage changes, and the polar bear comes out, sitting on a giant ice throne and wearing a crown. The chains are disguised amongst the set dressing, but Anna can see them. The bear rears up and roars, making the air vibrate. A dumb kid in the audience decides it will be the best idea in the world to climb the fence onto the stage while calling the polar bear horrible names. The polar bear, not liking this dumb kid at all, breaks its chains easily. Before it reaches the dumb kid, a spray of bullets hits the bear. Nia holds Anna and tells her to think of something far away, to think of escape. I say, just let the fucking kid get eaten. That that dumb kid needed to be eaten. Later, as they are getting dressed to perform for the day, Nia asks Anna not to accompany her to the lagoon, even though Anna always does on Wednesdays. As they part, Nia tells Anna she loves her, but Anna feels like something is slipping away. Despite Nia asking Anna not to come to the lagoon, she ends up at the Mermaid Lagoon anyway, helping a family find the attraction. While she is there, Anna spots Owen and decides to follow him, and he easily spots her. As they have an awkward conversation about squid facts, Anna feels her chest motor go into overdrive and she blurts out a standard park greeting. In the background, the show is about to start and Owen tells her she best leave. Shocking no one. 
Anna does not listen to Owen's advice or Nia's request and sneaks in to watch the show. The mermaid show starts in its usual dramatic fashion with Nia in her mermaid tail prosthetic riding on the back of a whale which breaches sending water spraying. As usual, Nia invites a little girl from the front row to come for a ride with her. At first, the show follows the usual stage directions until the whale, with Nia holding the little girl in her arms, dives underwater. Minutes tick by and they don't surface. The audience becomes worried and the little girl's parents are frantic. Despite not being permitted to be in the water, Anna dives into the lagoon because she knows there's no way the emergency divers will reach the child in time. Anna swims further and further down, the pressure of the water closing in on her, until she finds Nia holding the little girl at the bottom of the lagoon. The girl is limp and Nia's expression is determined. Anna wrestles the little girl from Nia, resurfaces, and hands her to the paramedics. Meanwhile, Nia is hauled away by men dressed in black. Owen comes over to Anna and hands her his coat as thunder claps overhead and it starts to rain. Since the incident with Nia, Anna has taken to finding a quiet place under the water where she can't be seen or heard so that she can scream. She also doesn't like her new little sister, Nadia, who has replaced Nia. Anna sees Nadia as a mimic, a distraction from what happened in the lagoon. It is up to Anna to find out why Nia did what she did. As Anna is heading to Princess Palace through the woods alone, she detours to the stables and finds Owen mucking them out. Anna tries to return his jacket. However, he tells her it was not a loan, but a gift. This is the first gift she has ever been given. Anna doesn't tell Owen she found Nia's seashell charm bracelet in his jacket pocket, but does comment on a bracelet that he is wearing. Owen tells her it's a medical bracelet because he has a heart thing, so he had to get an artificial valve. This delights Anna as she says, he's a hybrid too. Owen likes that idea. (laughs) As they talk, one of the winged horses, aptly called horseflies, starts booking and thrashing. Anna cautiously approaches with a handful of vitamin supplements from her pocket and calms the horsefly down. Owen tells her the strange behaviour is happening with a lot of the hybrids. When Anna asks if he's told Cameron Casey about it, Owen confesses to hating him and knowing that, based on how he treats the animals when they are healthy, he wouldn't bother when they need help. Anna, much to her surprise, admits she hates Cameron Casey too, but fantasists aren't supposed to dislike anyone. As Anna leaves, she sees something glinting in the hair, Owen's pocket knife. She takes it with the intention of returning it. Borrowing. Anna returns to the bedroom, and unfortunately, Eve is already there, changing her gown. The hem of her dress is muddy, and she looks afraid. Eve says she found a hurt baby deer in the woods, code that she wants to speak alone where there are no signals. As they pass the VIP lounge, Anna wonders aloud what goes on inside. Eve said Kaya knows, but she never speaks about it and is always fuzzy when she comes out. Anna takes it to mean Kaya is an older system and thinks that the comment is mean, but that's not what Eve meant at all and we all know it. She says the supervisors don't want Kaya to remember what happens with the investors. 
So they erase her memory. Ugh. Ugh. Finally, they reach the clearing in the woods and Eve bends down and starts digging. As Anna and Eve talk, to Anna's surprise, she finds out they are very similar. Eve likes to get lost in a book too and writes the monorail so much as she's pretending she is Anna Karenna. Eventually, Eve stops digging and pulls a fawn out from the soil. It's the fawn Nia was obsessing over. Eve confesses she found it in Nia's dresser after she was taken. As they argue about handing it in to Mother, the fawn comes alive with notifications. Suddenly, Eve runs off. Because Anna takes the time to rebury the phone and fantasists are fast, Anna can't catch up to Eve and has no idea where she went. Searching the woods, Anna eventually comes across a scrap of fabric on the way to the winter wonderland. And, trekking through the snow, Anna spots Eve looking a mess at the observatory. Eve says she just wants to see the stars, but they're so far away. She points out across the horizon, asking where the labor camps are, the checkpoints, the slums, everything they've been told about what lies outside the kingdom. How can they know if what they saw on the phone notifications was real? And if what was on the phone was real, what else are the supervisors lying to them about? Soon, two park workers with flashlights approach. One is a random unnamed guard, and the other is Owen. Eve tells them that they were stargazing, which everyone knows to be untrue because you can't see the stars from inside the kingdom. While Eve heads down the hill with the random unnamed guard, Anna and Owen go into the Arctic enclosure, where Owen asks what the real reason is why they were at the observatory, because he is sceptical of the stargazing. While in the enclosure, Owen checks on the baby penguins and makes some notes in his notebook he always carries, and Anna whispers that he needs to be careful what he says, indicating the security cameras. Owen tells her that not all the security cameras are cable to the network and that they tend to only be in high-risk areas and penguin babies are not one. They are not high-risk. No. No. This is why Cameron Casey asks the fantasists to come here because he knows the cameras don't work. Gross. Anna reassesses what she's seen and doesn't understand all the lies. Who or what are they trying to protect the fantasists from? Owen says they are trying to protect them from what they can never have. That night, Anna looks at the velvet straps around her wrists they used to strap the fantasists down in bed. She realises the princesses are locked in a tower. One day, while sitting with Owen up high and looking out over the closed park, Anna wonders if she likes, likes him, or (laughs) if she's programmed to like like him owen starts to stroke her face and it feels good suddenly anna wakes she's in her bed and was dreaming again later anna wanders around the prehistoric animal enclosure where she learns the saber tooth killed her cubs because someone left their cage open soon she spots owen reading an electronic book she approaches him to talk but he sounds irritated and annoyed with her Anna asks him a million questions and he snaps at her to stop talking to him and to stop following him and to definitely not show up at his shift at the lagoon later. Upset and confused, Anna runs to the clearing in the woods and holds Owen's knife she picked up the night she tried to return his jacket. 
Anna holds the knife tightly, but she doesn't feel any pain, only pressure. She feels like a robot, because she is. But impossibly, she's crying. Suddenly, Anna realizes that Owen purposefully misspoke about having a shift at the lagoon. He's actually arranging a meeting place and time in code. Later that night, Anna makes her way to the lagoon and Owen is there waiting for her. He apologises for being cruel earlier but says he needed to make it seem believable as maintenance staff aren't supposed to be talking to fantasists so much. They both admit how much they enjoy talking to each other. When Owen asks how Anna got into the lagoon, she admits she broke in. He is shocked as she may be being monitored and offers to show her how to disable her ocular lenses. Like, what? 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 That can be done? That's a thing? Get out of here. She is so excited she can control a feature in her body. To reciprocate the gift, Anna gives Owen his knife back. That's not reciprocal. That's just giving property back. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a gift at all. No. But then again, he tells her she should keep it. This is how he's moving in slowly. He's just like one jacket, one pocket oh, knife. Yeah. This will be a tooth His toothbrush is there, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> slowly moving in part by part. Yeah. <laughs> they sit and look at the lagoon together and Owen tells her a little of the outside world. She wants to help make it better and he says she does already. But Anna isn't satisfied with her part. Owen also tells Anna about his family and visiting his Taiwanese grandparents and about his little sister Sarah who passed away, who loved princesses and castles, and that Anna was her favourite. Owen, though, reluctantly offers to help find out what happened to Nia during those missing ten weeks. But Owen's theory is that she was just trying to escape. Later, Mother wakes the fantasists early. There's a routine safety check for the investors, and you know how they appreciate efficiency. One of the investors is acting lecherous toward Eve and says he enjoyed their previous night. Anna questions Eve, and she acts strangely, but says she doesn't recall anything happening. That night, they're all instructed to attend a VIP party with the investors, but Anna doesn't want to go. Nobody wants to go to that. Before that, though, they have a children's garden tea party, which Eve does not attend. One little girl comes up to Anna and says, if the birds get too curious, could they fall? Anna asks, who taught her their secret language? And she says it was the mermaid who told her. Suddenly, Anna remembers the little girl is Clara from the monorail last year. Anna scans for Eve again and again until she gets a faint ping. Zara, one of the other fantasists, mentions that Anna was missed at the investor dinner the previous night while she was with Owen, and Anna is sure Kaya knows what is going on, but her memories are being wiped and it's affecting her. Anna drags Kaya and Zara to find Eve following the GPS signal. In the woods, they find hybrid blood and a torn piece of skin. Digging down, Anna finds Eve's tracking chip. Oh, no. Daddy reassures Anna that Eve will turn up and she must still attend the investor party that night. For the rest of the day, Anna stays in safe mode as she interacts with park guests when suddenly she smells something off. 
coming out of safe mode and cranking up her olfactory senses to max and shifting through the smells, she can smell garbage and sewage. I do not want to go to this park. No, pipe in the cookie smells, not the poop. Cookies are better than poop. Don't don't pipe in the poop. Don't Don't pipe pipe the the poop. As Anna looks around, she sees nine guards messing around and stealing money from the wishing fountain. They're being disgusting and creepy. And when they notice Anna, they are disgusting and creepy toward her. Anna enters safe mode again and repeats in a whisper one of Mother's favorite mindful meditations. (sighs) It's gross. It's gross. Prepare yourselves, people. It's gross. Do not struggle. Do not resist always calm always safe always robot raped before anything can happen owen comes along to stop it and the guards move on owen tells anna about his sister sarah and that she was killed three years ago in a car accident he was driving and the accident is what caused his heart condition when his chest slammed into the steering wheel Owen reminds Anna that she was Sarah's favorite fantasist, and then Owen shows her a picture of Sarah. Anna is able to search her memory for facial recognition and recall visits Sarah made to the park, including one with Owen. How did Anna forget him? She should have recalled him when she first saw him. Anna projects the video recordings for Owen. The fireworks start, and Anna realizes she's late for the investor's party, though Owen tells her she shouldn't go as it's not safe with all the armed guards out there. Owen also tells her that Eve stole a horse before cutting the chip from her arm. Oh my goodness. Anna starts to panic and wants to search for Eve in all her favourite places. As she gathers her thoughts, Owen asks her what Eve's favourite story is, Anna Karenina. He's not up to speed on his Russian literature, who is, so it's not much help to him. Suddenly, Owen looks scared to say something. He reveals that Naya gave him her charm bracelet to give to Anna, but he lost it and knows it should be reported, but then Anna pulls it out of her dress pocket. Owen says it was a goodbye token and maybe Eve taking out her tracker is the same. Owen suggests that Eve may be trying to escape by hurting herself. In a corner of her eye, Anna sees the monorail and remembers the dramatic scene in Anna Karenina where Anna commits suicide by flinging herself in front of an oncoming train. Jesus Christ. Anna spots Eve near the rooftop garden and realises Eve wants the supervisors and investors to see. Anna runs, shouting toward her as the booms of the fireworks go off. Eve says, Can't put a price on us, Anna! as she plummets from the rooftop into the path of the monorail below. Anna didn't reach her in time. Damn it! Why do we have all these horrible train murders happening lately? (laughs) I don't know. Is that a trope? Train murder trope? Oh no, it is now. I haven't even seen the movie, the Keira Knightley Anna Karenina movie. It just doesn't, like float my boat no no neither does Tolstoy no Anna wakes up later in a bright room on a table and mother and daddy are there Anna's body is twisted and she's soaked in a thick fluid 
Daddy says they're going to fix her as she tells him what happened on the tracks. Anna doesn't speak until she whispers that Eve just wanted to be free, to escape. Daddy says there's no such thing, and that escape is a lie. <sighs> Anna dreams of Nia and Clara and tries to figure out when Nia could have taught Clara their secret language. She wakes up in her bed surrounded by her sisters who have a million questions. Zara tells her that Eve was shut down that morning and Nadia whispers a coded message to Anna. In the morning, Anna finds a Valentine card addressed to Nia with a new bracelet charm. The card seems personal, like Nia spent time with the sender. Anna remembers that Nia wasn't with them over Valentine's. That was during the ten weeks she was missing. Anna is also convinced she is being watched to make sure she is safe. Anna decides that following the rules has gotten her into trouble, so she decides to make up her own. Good job. Anna doesn't see Owen for weeks after the incident. Anna is convinced she's malfunctioning and starts crying again, which upsets her more. She thinks she's next to be turned off. Owen says she isn't malfunctioning. She's evolving like the hybrid animals. As Owen is trying to comfort her, Anna reaches for him and kisses him. He goes back for more. (laughs) Another week passes before Anna sees Owen again. She sees him in places he shouldn't be. And when she calls out to him, his image flashes and disappears. One day, Anna spots him with another maintenance worker and follows, hiding in the topiary. Owen easily finds her hiding place and confesses he didn't know what to say to her after their kiss, the other, other than he doesn't regret it. There are other things she needs to know too and things he needs to tell her and he promises to find her soon. After Owen has left, Anna notices Owen's notebook on the ground and though she knows it's wrong, she opens it and begins to read. Owen has written about their relationship and how she's easily emotionally manipulated. He also writes about her older processes and that she's probably at the end of her technological life. Harsh. It's mean. Poor Anna. Anna goes into the tunnels, rats scattering around her, Owen's notebook in her hand. His notes are hurtful, harmful, and a betrayal. She wants revenge. At the trash compactor bridge, Anna waits for Owen, his pocket knife in her hand. Owen comes a few minutes later. Anna has something to show him. Owen promises he can explain and says he never lied to her. He says he wrote the lies about her being easily manipulated to get the others to back off. He says that he was being honest about her evolving. He says he wouldn't lie to her. Anna throws the notebook into the flames and shows Owen the knife. Later, Anna arrives at the lagoon covered in Owen's blood, holding the knife in her hand. Anna can hear the security camera turning to focus on her. Anna does what she has always been told to do. Smile. Back in the present day, because remember all of this took place two years ago and we're learning about it after the fact, Cameron Casey is called to the stand. 
He says to the judge that he was watching Owen and Anna by the woods on the security feed. He says they disappeared for a while, but eventually she came back alone and headed to the lagoon. The cross-examiner asks why he was watching a security feed where there are no animals. The line of questioning shows that Cameron Casey is a sleaze. Anna has been told not to smile or frown. She's dressed simply and sedately. If she loses this trial, she'll be turned off. As the jury foreperson reels off the charges against the kingdom, the jury finds the corporation not guilty. For the charge of willful, deliberate premeditation by a hybrid to commit murder in the first degree, the jury finds Anna not guilty. <gasps> Cameras flash, people shout, and Anna's team rushes her out of the courthouse into a car where she falls asleep. When she wakes up, Anna finds herself in a facility and taken to a room marked X. Oh, that cannot be good. The room is set up like a surgical nightmare room, and someone is setting up a camera. Daddy welcomes her to her final interview. Dr. Foster tells Anna she's there to be terminated, but first she will write down her confession minute by minute of what exactly transpired the night of Owen's murder. Anna asks for Eve's tiara in return, and Daddy agrees. Anna writes, but not what Daddy wants or expects. That sentence, I really did almost just throw up in my mouth. He wants to know that Anna can't lie, but she won't do it and tells him that being capable of something is different than actually doing it. Daddy flies into a rage as the tiara is brought in and Anna finally gets to hold it. Daddy grabs Anna, hauls her to the table, and presses a scalpel to Anna's neck, demanding she tell him where Owen is. There's movement from behind, which distracts Dr. Foster, and Anna uses this opportunity to slice his neck open with the tiara as Owen tells Dr. Foster he's right behind him. <laughs> as Dr. Foster burbles blood through his collapsed windpipe, Anna asks him if he has done something he shouldn't have. Has he broken any rules? Too bad. She was hoping for an apology. His eyes are burning rage as the light fades out and he dies. Anna feels relief as she turns and sees Owen. She can't believe it's really him. Yay! Bye, Daddy! Bye, Daddy! Hi, Owen! Swoon! <laughs> Look what I made! Hey. Dead body! <laughs> A corpse! After Anna confronted Owen in the incinerator, she took him to the clearing to show him her buried treasures, which are all part of who she really is. Owen then tells her the truth. He is really a proctor hired to study Anna and check if the fantasists were evolving like so many of the hybrids. All their interactions that she read about in his journal were on purpose, but something changed. He started to enjoy their time together and look forward to the exchanges because he thought she was amazing and he started to feel more. He apologises profusely and swears on his sister's memory that he is telling the truth. That's that's big deal. That is a big deal. 
He desperately wants to help save her, but Anna knows there is only one escape for her. Owen says that if they think she has malfunctioned, they'll take her to the Hyrule Laboratory to shut her down, but the malfunction would have to be something big. Anna agrees. They would have to think she had hurt someone or killed someone even. But who? Owen. Owen. They talk about it until late into the night. Once she's outside the park, Owen will come for her in the hybrid lab after the short window they are legally required to investigate. The kink is getting the murdered but not murdered Owen out of the park unseen to keep up the ruse. Something Anna says about Eve's disappearance reminds Owen that they shut down non-essential systems, including the incinerator, which empties outside the walls of the kingdom when they need to add extra power to the security systems. It will be a perfect escape. The weapon of their staged murder will be Owen's knife, and they'll stage a public fight and use Cameron Casey being a creepy creep to ensure that they are seen and that he will find her covered in Owen's blood. The plan goes off without a hitch. The last time Anna saw Owen was the night they staged his murder. He's leaner and his hair is longer, but it's definitely him. Owen had to stay in hiding during the trial because they couldn't risk someone knowing it was all staged. He's had to be in trial for months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's just hiding so, out in a corner somewhere. Hi, sorry, did I say he's been in the trial for you months? Did. Well, the trial's been going on, yes. like waiting for the trial's been going on for months. Yeah. So he's been hiding for months. Jeez. Uh, Anna asks about her sisters because she wants to help them too. And Anna quickly changes into medical scrubs and a face mask all brought for her. And they leave Dr. Foster's corpse inside his torture room, turning the temperature down and locking the door behind them. It should be a while until his body is found, as he asks not to be disturbed. Anxiously, they hurry out of the lab, and luckily, no one stops them. Before they leave, Anna notices a chamber filled with long, narrow boxes, and filled with naked, hairless bodies. It's an incubation chamber, filled with copies of her sisters, and copies of her. Oh. These are prototypes for the next generation of fantasists, not for the park, but for the home fantasist program. Oh, gross. Gross. Owen reassures Anna that they've suspended the home fantasist program because there are too many liabilities. Anna understands why Nia and Eve did what they did to themselves. They knew about the home fantasist program and tried to stop it. Nia's missing 10 weeks were spent with a family. Clara's family, the little girl who knew their language. They were the ones who sent her the Valentine card. Anna needs to check out some other suspicions she's had and starts scanning the network. But when she hits a firewall and voices her frustration to Owen, he takes her arm to expose her Anna TM birthmark, presses down to make a keyboard light up under her skin, and disables her firewall. There are so many things that she does not know about her own body that Owen (laughs) seems to know. And it's bonkers. You've got a keyboard. <laughs> There's a keyboard in my arm. I can turn off my eyeballs. What? <laughs> Instantly, Anna is able to finish performing her search. Clara's father is an investor. Nia knew what they were doing and tried to stop it. And now Anna is determined to help them. Owen agrees, but says today they need to save her. It's too late, though. Mother 
comes in and asks what they are doing. (gasps) (gasps) Owen works his magic and Mother gives them extremely detailed directions out of the building. She pretty much does a diagram for them. Not recognising Anna at all, standing right there. Well, because she's wearing scrubs. She's wearing scrubs and a face mask and Owen is charming her pants off. But... (laughs) Not literally. Soon they are outside and in a car, security guards waving them out as they drive onto the highway with the ocean, the real ocean on one side. Anna makes a silent promise that she'll be back for her sisters and as she listens to music she's never heard before, she thinks about Nia and Eve, the hybrids, Daddy, and the dilated eyes and his oozing blood. Humans are capable of cruelty and horror. And to become one, Anna has had to become capable of that too. Murdering robot! Murdering the first act, murdering the last act. Murder! 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 Okay, everyone think about robot murder, but not about daddy. And not actual murder. Do not commit actual murder. Do not commit actual murder. We learned this last week. Last week. (laughs) Okay, so everyone think about those things and not think about those things. And listen to this promo from another show, and then we'll come back and discuss daddy. (laughs) I'm going to take this opportunity to go and vomit. Thank you. (laughs) have you ever wondered what tina fey has in common with jonathan swift or how star wars is connected to feudal japan or just how pervasive shakespeare's influence still is i'm Rhonda, and i'm aaron and our show pop dna explores the literary and historical roots of your favorite pop culture works like the greek mythology and early 20th century feminism echoed in the film wonder woman or the classic dystopian fiction and real-life political revolutions that informed the Hunger Games. Every month, we bring you a deep-dive discussion of a selected pop culture work, featuring jokes no one will think are funny, and literary references no one asked for. Find us at thepopdna.blog. Or anywhere you get your podcasts. By the way, Shakespeare is bigger than Disney. Need to wash my mouth out. Literal, literal goosebumps from the chills. I know it's gross. It's gross. gross. Do not like. Do not like. Make it stop. It doesn't help that I lean into the microphone when I say it. Daddy. Daddy. Hey, Daddy. Gross. Vomit. Vomit everywhere. Psychological well-being today. Daddy. (laughs) Hey, Daddy, I'm going to the VIP lounge. (laughs) I think it'd be worse if it was mommy and not mother. Yeah. Yeah. But the... Daddy. Daddy. Daddy causing auto reflux is disgusting. Ugh. Ugh. Daddy vomit. Ugh. 
That's the only thing we're going to talk about in our discussion portion of the show. Daddy. Stop saying it. Right, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. (laughs) Cameron Casey's an absolute creepy creep ass ball as well. Uh, Yeah, he's disgusting. He's horrible. He's the worst. I'm so glad he got outed during the trial, though. Note to others, to listeners, there is quite a bit missing from the summary because there are trial notes and interview yeah. notes as well and some of it has been integrated into the summary but they are separate entities in and of themselves so yeah. go and listen the, the, the audiobook's really good on this as well yeah it's fantastic the narrator who uh, does it uh, Amy Landon she does a fantastic job because she does quite a robotic voice for Anna but yeah. then it changes as Anna starts to become more human. Yes, I noticed it's... that too. I was going to ask you if you noticed that. It's so beautifully subtle. Because yeah. it actually starts off quite human. Where she's like, oh, daddy, stop with the games. I don't want to play these games. Yeah. Because it starts with the the you know the future, the post-trial interview. Mm-hmm. And then it's quite weird. You think, ah, hang on. Is this a different narrator slightly? Because it goes very robotic, but then it starts to slacken off as Anna yeah. becomes more and more human, and that is so cleverly done. Yeah, and it was so subtle too. Yes, I think. Yes, I think if you haven't listened to a million audiobooks like we have, you probably wouldn't have noticed it. But it was so good. Yeah, I was so impressed with that. Yeah, it really, really impressed me the way she did it. So I think I've listened to this at least twice now. Yeah. And both times I was like, yes. Ah, it's yes. so it's so satisfying to the ears when you when you start picking up on those subtle cues. Yes. Like, yes. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, it's it's good. Yeah. Um I think for our you know, for our episode, um, it made a lot more sense for us to tell the story like linearly <laughs> because <laughs> the book while it made perfect sense, it was a little bit confusing how quickly they jumped back and forth, like, to parts of the trial, to what's going on, and then it would go back in time, and then it would go back to the trial, and then it would go back in time, and then it would go back to the trial. And so it was it was kind of back and forth all over the place. And, you know, you're kind of wondering the whole time, holy shit, did she actually murder Owen? And then you find out, ugh, when she finds his journal and reads oh. it, you're like, oh, my God, you motherfucker. Fucker. I'm so glad you got murdered. But then, you know, I'm glad that he didn't actually get murdered. There was no actual murder of Owen. No. But Owen, I mean, I'm going to jump ahead tiniest little bit and say that Owen is actually probably one of my favorite characters in it. Yeah. Yeah, I like Owen. because he... I mean, it took us a while to actually like warm up to him mm-hmm. because we're doing it through Anna's perspective so we have this kind of like it's like we're looking through our ocular lenses isn't it it is bit, until is we turn them off until we turn them off um so you kind of want to get this kind of like 2d kind of picture of Owen it feels like but then when he starts opening up about his sister Sarah and her death and how much she loved Anna and then when we get the flashbacks when she does the facial recognition and she sees Sarah growing up and Sarah loving 
um, Anna from being a little toddler up to 16. It's it's gorgeous. It's really nice. It's all awesome. But then you, she gets one little glimpse of Owen. But then you realise, is Owen really the dickhead that you think he is? Because we have creepy, horrible Cameron Casey there. Ugh. We don't need another one. No. We don't need another Cameron Casey. We don't need a daddy. We don't need any of the investors. investors. Oh, yes. Ugh. Like, they can't we all be bad. We need a nice guy. Yes. We need a nice guy. And yes. Owen is a genuinely nice guy. Yes. Lower N, lower G, nice guy. Right. And then when they're hatching the plan and they're carrying it out and Anna's carrying him as if he's dead body. She's dragging a dead body. And he's like, you're doing great. You're so scary. I love it. It's amazing. <laughs> yes. He's like, you're terrifying. And she's like, oh no. And she's like, yo, I like it. Yeah, he's amazing. just genuinely in awe of her and her abilities and how amazing she is and how she's evolved so much that it's it's not fan worship. He's genuinely astounded by this person and what she is capable of and who she is. Yeah. Not because she's some hybrid freak that she thinks she is, but because she's her own unique individual. Yeah. And I, I love that. It's nice to have a supportive male character. It is. Yes. And I... to like somebody because she's terrifying. Yes. That like <laughs> spoke to my soul. Yeah. I I appreciated in that whole scene that you were talking about. And he's like, can you, can you carry me? Are you going to be able to do this? And she's like, yeah. She's just like, Whoo. I'm a fantasist. Yeah. I'm a fucking robot. Of course. I'm Anna, you, you need to punch carry. me. You need to punch me. Yeah. Just, oh. Punches her. And then he wipes some of his blood on her face. He's like, yeah, that's that. that yeah. <laughs> So horrifying, yes. I mean, I'm not king shaming at all, but he's he 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 realized something that night. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think he uh, I think he likes a little bit of pain. There was, yes, there were some definite revelations. Yes, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Um, I think one of my favorite things about this book was that and it's like purpose or perfectly wrapped up in that last little bit of the summary that humans are capable of cruelty and horror and to become one Anna had to become capable of that too like I love that she was faking being a murdering robot only to become a murdering robot I love yeah. it so much but like if anyone deserved to be murdered it was daddy honestly horrible tiara murdered it was a great murder too oh yes gurgling yeah it was just horrible like and it's never explicitly said as well because he's the head of the fantasist and hybrid program so he's the one who's developing and creating these quote-unquote people and animals who are sentient who are intelligent who are capable it's not like it's ai technology the hybrid they do have they have human parts human mixed in yeah so it, it crosses that ethical moral line quite a bit 
but he's he's creating them at first you think well is it is that is a, a kingdom princess this okay you know they're capable of interacting customer service of making all these little girls dreams come true that's okay to a, a point because there's mm-hmm. innocence to it mm-hmm. but all the way through there's the inference that the have to do more when it comes to the investors and like mm-hmm. Kaya's memories her because her, her she's one of the older fantasists her processes aren't working correctly because her memory's being wiped so often because of what she does with the investors and it's never explicitly said Ugh. that it's sexual but Ugh. it's but it is it is 100 percent sexual it's 100 percent that way it's disgusting clara's father one of the investors who you is the reader you pick that up straight away mm-hmm. um and when anna's having to do that download and owen's having to take away a firewall and you're like he's an investor he's a rapey and it's like <laughs> and then when she finally gets that connects that pieces um he there's a point where he kind of looks at anna and drags clara away and there's that kind of he knows and there's an exchange, and it's lecherous and disgusting. And you think, if Anna goes to a part of that party, that investors' party, she's next. Yeah. Ugh. There's still questions in my mind whether or not Anna has gone to the VIP lounge and has been subjected to the abuse. Yeah. And had her memory wiped. I mean, she is also one of the older ones. I mean, she's not as old as Eve or... Kaya. Kaya. Like, but she is older. They mention it several times that she is one of the older ones. And you got to think it's probably happened to her, too. And that's awful. And I hate that it happened, but I also, I guess, appreciate it for Anna's sake that Kaya was like, no, you let me go. You let me go and do this because, like, how many times has she had to go through this? How many times has she had to suffer and her memory's been wiped and reset over yeah. and over and over again? But she took that for Anna. So you got to think, like, her processor is still functioning a little bit because she's keeping her other sisters safe. Yeah. But, ugh. Ugh. Yeah. And the amount of... Goodness knows what happened to Naya for the 10 weeks that she was with the, oh, the ghoul gosh, family. Oh, gosh, I know. Ugh. It just it doesn't bear thinking about. It's just it's horrible. It's disgusting. Yeah. It's just it's there's there's no spin you can put on where that is correct because no. these are these are people. Yeah. The heart, you know, there might be hybrids, but they're still at the end of the day cognizant. They can offer consent. Oh, but they're taught not to. The, oh, I hated ugh, that so much. Yeah, ugh. It made it, and actually, that mantra given to them by mother. Yeah, ugh. The mindful meditation. I hated ugh. the fact it was phrased yeah. that way as well. Oh, yeah. And it's, ugh, it's you terrible. know, di- it is directly lifted from the book as well because it's so gross. It had yeah. to be. Ugh. It really upset me, actually. Yeah. I, d- I just, I just the being. Because she's in the she, she she is she's called mother. We don't know, unlike Daddy, who we know as Doctor Foster as well. Mm-hmm. Mother is just mother. We don't know them by any other name. Right. 
And by the very essence of being a mother, you're supposed to be nurturing. Ugh, no. And protective. And the same as daddy, you're supposed to be nurturing and protective. But you're teaching your children to be submissive and to take this abuse and to not offer consent. I feel like... I hate it. I I hate it. As much as you hate that, I feel like the way it's worded on the back of the book is worse. So I'm going to grab it and read it out loud. Oh, okay. Okay. Are you ready for this? It's gross. I don't know if I am. We are beautiful. We are kind. We never raise our voices. We always aim to please. We never say no. Unless you want us to. Your happiness is our happiness. Your wish is our command. That line, we never say no unless you want us to. Disgusting. Oh, it's disgusting. Hate it. Hate it. I like the cover of the book, though, since I've grabbed it now and there's like her face is split open and there's robot parts inside. Yeah, I really like it. Very smart, but ugh, ugh. oh, it's just gross. I hate it so yeah, much. Ugh. And the fact that because it takes so long for Anna to realize, it shows you how much of a naive situation that they're constantly kept in. How in innocent air courts the being kept, and it's just ugh. It's it's so gross. It's so yeah, I... gross, but the book is so good. How can it be so good and so gross at the same time? Well, it certainly, it certainly teaches you something. Do you know what? Do you know what's annoyed me actually? What? Um, and it's not the book. No, it's the fact that the book is not the easiest thing to find when you're doing searches for it, like on Goodreads or something. Yeah, because it's quite the kingdom is. It's very generic a sounding. title. Yeah. And it's very generic. The easiest way for me to find it is actually to use Jess Rothenberg's t- uh, name. Yeah. Rather than The Kingdom. And I'm, fi- I'm it's annoyed me because I'm like, well, this book is really, really good. And I want more people to read it. But it's obviously very difficult for them to find. So it's more like an indie book for me than necessarily a mainstream publication. Yeah. Even if it is a larger publica- publication house that's produced it so i'm quite annoyed by that like it's such a good book it's got it's got positive messages in there as well and warnings Mm -hmm. the warnings especially yeah but it's a it's a well-hidden book and i don't like that and but i'm very glad i think i don't know if it was a buzzfeed list or i can't remember what list i found it on but i'm so happy that when we're having one of our um Show meetings. I was scheduling and talking about what we were thinking about doing, and we were talking about the murder robot. Month. Yes, yeah. And we found this list, and we were going through them, and we found the kingdom. We're like, this sounds perfect. Yeah. And then started looking at Goodreads, and you found Emma's <laughs> review. And we're like, yes, I'm. Co- we were doing this book club because I like this <laughs> this review. I'm like, okay. <laughs> um. So I'm glad that at least it is being picked up on lists, but it's annoyed me that it's not the easiest thing to find. I know. I want everyone to know search. about this book. Yeah. I enjoyed it a lot more than I expected, and I enjoyed it even more the second time around because yeah. you know it's the same with any kind of murder mystery book where you know the what the secret is. You're like, ha, 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 ha. However, seeing that it's a secret... <laughs> 
it's not much of a secret that Owen isn't actually dead. Yeah. Like, it's staged that way that he has been murdered by Anna, that she did kill him. But all the way through, when you find out how the relationship's developing and how she's evolving, and yes, violence is becoming more prevalent in her life, there's still a part of you, and I don't know, well, part of me, that's going, it's not going to happen. Yeah, there's no way. There's no way. There's got to be a twist. And you're just waiting for that twist to happen. It's, it's it's genuinely I would and this is definitely one I would suggest audiobook. Oh yeah. Because Amy yeah. Landon did such a spectacular job. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Although the book does have some like pictures and it you know, it's kind of it's kind of got that like found document epistolary style that we like so much. Mm. Yeah. So it, it the book looks pretty cool too. Maybe it's one of these ones where you need to actually li- you could you would do well listening to it whilst yeah reading it like um, Illuminae and was that the Empire one that I read? The Vamp- I read Empire the Vampire and listened to it at the same time yeah. because I the the version I've got illustrated yeah yeah and I really enjoyed that experience yeah mine is illustrated too and the illustrations in that one are beautiful and also uh the dead house by don kurtigich that's another good yes. one to look at the book while you're listening to it because oh my god you have to listen to those because they're so good see a million previous episodes where i drool over those audiobooks but this is another one <laughs> this is another maybe not quite drooling but this is another really fantastic audiobook it's it's a high-end it's a high-end audio yeah yeah definitely definitely I felt so sorry for Eve, though. I loved Eve. I loved Eve. But I found it strange that her favorite book, being able to download and read everything, and, like, they really don't even have to read it. They just kind of, like, absorb it because they're robots. Then Anna Karenina was her favorite. Somebody's got, like, Tolstoy. That's right, I guess. Somebody's a robot. (laughs) But yeah, somebody somebody has to like Tolstoy. It's it it's 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 like somebody has to like the Bronte. Yeah, and everybody likes to like Jane Austen. Yeah, no, um, nope, <laughs> wrong. But um, yeah, I found it interesting that that was that was her favorite book, and she was like. Anna, you have the best name. And Anna's like, no, I like your name. I like Eve. I think that's great. And she's like, no, you're just the best because I love Anna Karenina. And you're like, ugh, really? <laughs> really? Official literature will go down that count? Are you just saying that because you're being pretentious? Could, could we not say or... Stephen King? Like, <laughs> Let's commit murders for Stephen King. Yes, that would be fantastic. Do you know what freaked me out a little bit apart from Daddy? Daddy... What? Well, Naya has a prosthetic mermaid tail. So effectively, every time she has to do the show, she gets her legs taken off and a prosthetic tail added on. Yes. And I've just got this image of them just going... Scroll. Yes, they just unscrew With her legs. And like, put a tail on. Kind of grossed out by that. But also bit. at the same time, how cool would that be? <laughs> I don't know. I think I just gotta put my tail on. So I can what, go for a what's, swim. What's the phobia of big spaces like this 
like phobia of the sea. I can't remember what that's called right now. Do you have that? Not necessarily. I mean, I've been on the sea plenty of times. I've done a cruise and everything. Um, I was. I I've been on the Aegean Sea on a banana boat, been hauled behind a a, a speedboat. No, it wasn't a banana boat. It was the the the, the rings. And that that was dark, and that was cold, and I kept thinking sharks. But you know, um, so not necessarily. If I think about it too much, though, like you know, when you see the reels on Instagram or videos on TikTok, if you're on there, and it's like it shows you like a whale under the water. Yeah. And I kind of go, oh shit, no. Yeah. Like, I, I like whales. I don't mind whales, but I don't ever need to meet one in the sea or in the ocean because that really says to me that is a big fucking void yeah where you cannot breathe and that kind of freaks me out um the lassophobia is the fear of ocean or other large deep bodies of water and then agoraphobia is the fear of being in situations where escape might be difficult or that help wouldn't be available if if things go wrong so that's the being in the middle of nowhere one yeah so i don't i wouldn't say i necessarily would say i'm claustrophobic yeah but i certainly appreciate it when i see those or if i was in the middle of the atlantic ocean looking around going "Ah!" so you would not have volunteered to ride the whale hell no (laughs) no that idea can go in the fucking bucket. I now, not. now, last week you were you said that someone should like get in the sea, so you don't want that to happen this time. Get in the sea. You don't want but that to happen this time. No, but the but the, the <laughs> isn't very. It's, it's excessively British to say it to somebody get in the sea. You said it last it's, week. Did I? I can't you did. remember. You did. I do not remember. I trust my editor. She keeps me straight. Um, <laughs> When I tell somebody to get in the sea, it's because I'm telling them to go away. Yeah. So yeah, somebody can get in the sea. I'm not following you. No. And that that lagoon, like, how terrifies big, me. How big is that fucking lagoon that there's a whale in there? At least one whale. At least one whale. There's tons of fish. There was turtles, coral reef. She was at least 30 feet down at one point. Yeah. It's got to be freaking huge. No. And she doesn't have gills. She actually says, as she's diving down to save the little girl, it would be useful to have gills. Yeah. Can I just like pop her head off and screw a different one on? Like replace her neck with one with gills? They unscrew her tail. you might be able to press a button and there may be gills there. That, you know, you're probably right. We need she to ask just, Owen. Yeah, we need to ask Owen. He knows for sure. Because honestly, otherwise, I mean, it, it, they say they have to do the cold water training. So they know, you know, once a week, they're, once a month or whatever, they're in the lagoon to, to practice. Naya's there, what, every day? Yeah, she's least. there all the time, swimming around with her tail. And she can't breathe underwater. I'm just no, nah, oh no, nah, don't like. No, 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 no dog, no nah, dog. No. Nah, <laughs> oh. Ugh. Ugh. 
Oh, can we move on? I'm freaking out. Yeah. This book's making me more freaked out the more they keep on. I know. I know. <laughs> Daddy. Daddy. <laughs> can I tell you my surprise? Yes, please do. As long as it's not daddy. It doesn't have anything to do with daddy. My surprise is that the kingdom is in the Pacific Northwest. Because <laughs> it doesn't seem like a good place to have a magical theme park if Twilight has taught us anything about the weather there. Weather stereotypes? No! Well, no! <laughs> Yeah, but the land was so cheap. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Yeah. It was a nice change for that. Yeah. (sighs) My surprise was that the maintenance staff are really bad at the job because they never find Eve or Anna's treasures in that little wooded area. No. I mean, they called it like the haunted graveyard or something like that. Yeah. In, because it's a blind spot for the Wi Fi signal. Yeah. But, like, does no maintenance staff walk that path and go, oh, look, there's oh. stuff buried in the soil? The ground has been disturbed. <laughs> I best check all of these lumps and bumps. Shoddy maintenance staff, honestly. Terrible. Should have stuck with Disney. Mm. <laughs> is it time? Is it time for Would You I Rather? I definitely think it's time. <laughs> okay. We asked on social media, would you rather be a character performer or an animal keeper? And on Facebook, 86% are going to be a character performer. On Instagram, 83% are going to be a character performer. On Twitter, everybody's going to be a character performer. And on TikTok, we're going to have the animal keepers with 71%. Mm. So, there you go. We do have some comments. Okay. Can I just tell you that um, everyone at the library was also an animal keeper? But they didn't really give oh. a lot of um, reasons why this time. But they they all wanted to be animal keepers. It was the same with the with the social media as well. Like we had the votes, but not the explanations. Yeah, I suppose it's quite logical. Yeah. Colin on Facebook said, "Character performer. I'd love to interact with the guests, and there's a decreased but still present chance of being eaten by some terrible beast that is degrees smarter than I am." Superfan Coral on Facebook says, "Love animals. I work with animals all day and have for twenty plus years. So animal keeper I am." Oh, I bet Coral is amazing. I know she's so great. Emily on Facebook said, I would be a character performer because I love interacting with the public. I also have a theatre degree and a background in customer service. She would be she a She is on princess. that stage and she is yes. performing. Our last comment that we have to share today is from Brie, 
Superfan Bree on Facebook, who says, Animal Keeper, because cleaning up crap is better than taking it from customers. <laughs> good response. Oh, such a good response. So what are you doing? As much as I love the animals, I don't want to have to clean them and muck them out and yeah smells and yeah. stuff I, yeah. I like to visit the animals not like deworm them yeah are you gonna you're gonna crank down your olfactory sense when you go around the animals i don't have the greatest sense of smell as it is but if the poop smells strong enough i can i'm gonna pick it up yeah no i'm not and given the animals that are in the kingdom like I don't really want to work with a polar bear because mm. it's the largest land mammal and it is a massive apex predator. Yeah, murder bear. That It's a murder bear. It does not discriminate. No. So I, I don't really want to look after the murder bears as much as I want to... I, I was ridiculously excited to see the polar bears at the wildlife park. You know this. I was giddy with excitement yes. and sent you pictures yes. of me pointing at yes. these polar bears going, it's a polar bear. You, so I'm excited to visit them. I just don't want to get my head bitten off by them. Yeah. yeah. And my favourite sign of all times is still on the polar bear exhibit where it tells the the the, 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 the keepers check where the bear is at all times yes (laughs) if you can't see the bear bear. you get out (laughs) something terrible is going to happen if you can't see the bear and plus i don't know i'm i'm a little bit of a drama queen sometimes (laughs) even my own child calls me a drama queen are you really (laughs) no never would have thought wow Um, um, so I'm gonna be a character performer. I'm I'm happy with that. I'm I'm. It might take me a bit longer to get the dancers down, laid down. Yeah. But can I be one of the villains? That's what I was gonna ask. I want to be a villain. I would love to be a villain. Yes, I want to be a villain. I don't even yeah. have to be like Maleficent or something. As much as I would love to be Maleficent. Right. Those horns but, are fantastic. Yes. You. I've got them somewhere. I do have Maleficent horns somewhere, and I That's don't know where. Oh, bet they're in the garage. Um, you know Cinderella's ugly stepsisters. Mm-hmm. Their character interactions in the park are absolutely spot on. They're so cheeky and so funny, and they play off each other so well. So I don't, I don't have to be like Maleficent. Right. I don't have to be Ursula. Oh, I will be happily. I would happily be something like along those lines. Yeah. Even. But yeah, I would, I would like to do the villain, not the princess. I am I am not genteel. No. I think I think we already know my answer to this question that I would be a character performer and I would also love to be a villain. I There's a place like here that we hire to come to the library during the summer and it's like it's called Fanciful, and they have princesses that they, like, send out, and they do performances and stuff, and they're like, we're always accepting new people, and I'm, and I always ask them, like, do you have to be a princess? Because, I mean, now I'm, I'm too old to do it, but 
I'm not too old to be a villain. I'm not too old to be an evil queen. Like, you need to need to ease up on your restrictions here because a lot of people love the villains. Yes. So I would I don't love want to Anna. do that. Do you not get any any bitch from Frozen? No. 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 I just want to be Yzma. <laughs> I want Yzma at my birthday party. Yes. I want to be a villain so badly. If you can dream it, you can murder it. <laughs> That's another one just for you. Thank you very much. Okay. Next question. But not actual murder. No, not actual murder. Would you rather... Create a hybrid species or bring back an extinct species. Science. Mm. I would... Personally, I've seen the Jurassic Park movies. <laughs> I was going to talk about Jurassic Park as well. <laughs> Beat me to it. Both of these are a bad idea. Yeah. If, they're a, if it's a dinosaur... Oh, I love dinosaurs. And I, w- I would love to see a real dinosaur. And not a chicken. Freaking hate chickens. Chickens scare me. Turkeys scare me. We all know, you know that you're know afraid of birds, Claire. Not all birds. Most birds. Penguins and owls and falcons. Most eagles. Vulture eagles are scary. Um, oof, Wonderful. But, oh, peacock's horrible. Um... If I could see a dinosaur, that would, like, yes. But if we're talking, like, an extinct species like a dodo, and the reason that they're extinct is because they were eaten because they're dumb and didn't learn to be scared of humans and Mm. they were just so delicious, you know, I can understand bringing back the dodos if they were kept on Mauritius as well in a wildlife sanctuary and Gordon Ramsay was told to keep away from Mauritius for the rest of his life. I was going to ask if you are creating a dodo just to eat it. I mean, you'd want Because to they're clearly one. delicious. You'd kind of want to try it. I would not put it past the kingdom to have dodo birds purely on the menu. Yeah. They're so, on yeah. like a shiny silver platter and you <sighs> remove it and it's just a dodo. Yeah. And the evil queen's outfits made of dodo feathers. Yes. Everything is made of dodo. Yes. So, okay. I can imagine... I can, I'm not going to... No. Hybrid species are wrong. Okay? You don't put two things together and splice them genetically. You know when you've got, like, cocker spaniels? Mm-hmm. Well, that's just because they've done the nasty and they've had the babies. Fine. Okay? Right. If it's a naturally bred hybrid species fine but when you're bringing technology into the mix when you're adding in the circuits and electronics and the wires that's a different kettle of fish you're you're asking for problems and you're asking for trouble you're gonna get eaten okay so no no to hybrid species i've thought about this a lot i think you're gonna get eaten in both options here yes but hybrid species is a full-on guarantee okay Whereas an extinct species, and if you're bringing the species back with 
that was killed off because humans suck, yeah, then I'm fine with that. So I'm going to say bring back extinct species okay. to repopulate. You know, let's bring back the white rhinos. Let's help yes. repopulate the polar bears, but they have to go into their natural habitats and not be kept as an exhibit. Yeah, and for not humans to eaten. Eat. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I like the idea of creating hybrid species. I like the idea of the horse fly. I mean, you're just making your own little pegasus. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. And, and, you know, what's the harm of the elephant being striped like a zebra? That's not hurting anything. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know what putting two animals together is doing. Like, how its brain is going to operate. Because a fly and an elephant, or, I'm sorry, a, a horse and a butterfly, because they were butterfly wings, right. are two extremely different species. Are they, like, tiny wings that, like, that the, don't like actually... Like, vestigial. <laughs> vestigial butterfly wings. Yes. And how big would those butterfly wings realistically have to be? They would to have to be fucking huge to lift a horse. Huge. So, yeah, I think they would have to be more vestigial than anything else. Yeah. I don't care. I want to create a hybrid species. Well, you're going to get eaten. That's fine. <laughs> you you are going to be eaten and I am going you to eat the You will do the eating. <laughs> it's fine. Oh, that's a really tough question, actually. Yeah. Next question. Would you rather have a mermaid tail or a special tiara? Uh, question. Am I murdering with the tiara? You can murder with either because you could drag small children under the water. Yeah, but if you do that, you have to ride a whale. Do you though? If we're talking about Mermaids! Mermaids are not nice mythological creatures no they're not they're not ariel no. ariel is bullshit yes um <laughs> okay are question. you going to lure unsuspecting sailors to their watery deaths yeah um you're gonna have a special tiara that you can use to slash thoughts well my question is do i always have the tail or can i take it off and put on legs do I have to give up my voice in order to have legs? Does Nia? <laughs> Who knows? She disappeared for ten weeks. I would say, like the tiara, it can be taken off. And how like big and fancy is the tiara? However you want it. It's just your remember, you are the lord of all that you survey. You can I've given you the question, you interpret it however you yeah. want. We've just been eating dodos. Right, you're right. You know. Okay, if I can also unscrew my head and my neck and screw gills on, or press a hidden button on my body somewhere and create gills, then I would have the mermaid tail. But if gills are not an option, then I'm having a special murder tiara. Uh, also, I think I said gills. <laughs> Gills. Gills. My gills. The gills. 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 Gills.
I'm picking special tiara regardless. I'm going to have a murder tiara. Yeah. Because please see previous comments about, ah, the ocean. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Would you rather borrow Owen's pocket knife, oh. Owen's jacket, or a random kid's phone? I'm going to bother for his jacket, even if it smells nice. Whatever. I'm going to borrow his pocket knife, and I'm going to go visit Cameron Casey. Yeah, same. Same Z's. Also borrowing the knife, also doing murders. <laughs> borrow knives, do murders. Yeah. It's like, be gay, do crime. Yes. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> would you rather swim in the lagoon with Naya who may or may not try to murder you or have a garden tea party with Kaya who may or may not drive you crazy with her scripted speech patterns mm. Mm. I feel like I'm going to go to the garden tea party because I could probably eat fancy sandwiches or something. Dodo bird sandwiches. Dodo bird sandwiches yeah. at the garden tea party. And, you know, I can just turn down my auditory sensors while Kaya is talking and just not listen to her. Turn off my eyeballs, turn off my ears, and just eat dodos. <laughs> <laughs> What do you have at this fancy tea party? Dodo tea, dodo cakes, dodo sandwiches, dodo scones with clotted cream. <laughs> clotted dodo cream. Everything's made from dodos. We have a fine preserve today. It's dodo. <laughs> it's dodo. <laughs> I think I'm latched. And I'm not sorry. <laughs> what are you I'm going to the tea party for all the dodo. Of course. I might as well stick with the theme. <laughs> because otherwise, the lagoon. Please see previous comments about uh, ocean. Ah! Right. Yes. All of our would you rather questions are about being in the middle of the ocean or eating dodos. <laughs> That's all it is. Oh. <laughs> oh. Me. All right. Favorite final thought quote. Anything about dodos in there? I don't. I was just about to say, unfortunately, <laughs> there's nothing about dodos. <sighs> okay. I'm just going to give you a couple. I'll be honest, there wasn't that many quotes that stood out for me. Yeah, same. Um, there was lots there, but nothing that really. Yeah. Really, yeah. yeah, same. Um, <laughs> so I'll just give you a couple. Come on, guys. Everyone knows princesses don't need saving. Mm. And, um, oh, this one's quite similar. Actually, I'm going to give you three. There was another one that I thought was really funny. Yeah. And it's at the end when Anna turns to Owen and she's changing into our scrubs from her prison wear. (laughs) Yes. Remind me never again to wear orange. (laughs) Oh, all the feels. 
<laughs> and then my last one is you're braver than you believe. And Aww. I think that's something that everybody needs to think about because you, as life goes on, you're thrown in harder and harder situations. Yeah. And you can tackle them. Yeah. M- might not be by yourself. You might need a support network, but that's right. still fine. Right. Yes, it's definitely fine. What have you got? Well, one that you said earlier, you terrify me. I mean, in a good way. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Is it possible violence might even feel good? I knew you were going to take that quote. As soon as I heard it, I was like, this is an Amanda quote. Violence. Then my last one is, in the end, it does not matter what a story is about. It only matters who gets to tell it. Oh, I know. Commit violence. Tell a story. Eat dodos. Eat dodos. (laughs) Okay. If you liked this, try this. What are you going to suggest? Right, well... The obvious one would be Westworld by Michael Crichton. Right. Obviously. However, I'm going to recommend The Mad Scientist's Daughter by Cassandra Rose Clark, which I didn't realise was actually awarded a Philip K. Dick Award. Oh. I read it when it came out, so it was obviously before it got the awards. And I read this, and it wasn't an arc, but I got a I got an electronic copy and a physical copy mm. at a sci-fi convention. And yeah, it's really, really good. Freaking depressing. But it's beautiful. It's a really, really good story. So I do highly recommend reading it. And then read something happy afterwards. But it's really, 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 really good. And the summary from CassandraRoseClark.com is... When Kat Novak was a young girl, her father brought Finn, an experimental android, to their isolated home. A billion-dollar construct, Finn looks and acts human, but he has no desire to be one. He was programmed to assist his owners and performs his duties to perfection. His primary task now is to tutor Kat. Finn stays with her, becoming her constant companion and friend as she grows into adulthood. But when the government grants rights to the ever-increasing robot population, Finn struggles to find his place in the world. As their relationship goes further than anyone intended, they have to face the threat of being separated forever. It's very beautifully written. It really is nice. And it's a post-apocalyptic dystopian future. It's really well done. And you you actually do see Kat growing up and you see their relationship mm. changing into adulthood. It's very, very good. What's yours? I had to go with the classic. I, Robot. No, no, oh! <laughs> I Robot by Isaac Asimov. And like, ah, yes. I mean, you cannot go wrong with an Isaac Asimov book. From the friggin' 50s, they're still fantastic. But you can go wrong when you turn them into a movie. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. 
And put Will Smith in all of them. Daddy. Daddy. Okay. They mustn't harm a human being. They must obey human orders. And they must protect their own existence. But only so long as that doesn't violate rules one and two. With these three laws of robotics, humanity embarked on perhaps its greatest adventure, the invention of the first positronic man. It was a bold new era of evolution that would open up enormous possibilities and unforeseen risks. For the scientists who invented the earliest robots weren't content that their creation should remain programmed helpers, companions, and semi-sentient worker machines. And soon, the robots themselves, aware of their own intelligence, power, and humanity, aren't either. Very evolving. As humans and robots struggle to survive together, and sometimes against each other, on Earth and in space, the future of both hangs in the balance. Human men and women confront robots gone mad, telepathic robots, robot politicians, and vast robotic intelligences that may already secretly control the world. And both are asking the same questions. What is human? And is humanity obsolete? Oh, robots. Sounds nothing like like the movie, does it? No. Well, that's several stories. The whole yeah, you know, the book, the book. Um, it's multiple books. There's multiple stories, and I think the movie's just the one, the first one. I think. Yeah, it didn't really capture it. No. And I say that it's been yeah. a long time since I've actually seen yeah. it. It's not a, it's not a rewatch. Let's face nah. it. No, no, it's. Do we have a spotlight this week? Yes, we do. Now this one doesn't come out until October, so you've what? got a long time to wait for this one. It's called "The Girl from Wudang" by P.J. Caldas. Yin Yin, called Tigress, was raised in the sacred mountains of Wudang, where her life was about Tai Chi, the Tao, and trying to balance her yang with yin. Artificial intelligence and neuroscience were things she'd never even heard of, but then her overpowering yang sets her on a course to the Bay Area to become a professional fighter. For as long as she could remember, Yin Yin had been told she was poised to become part of something big, but what big turned out to be was beyond her imagining, a scientific experiment that would allow her to connect her brain to a thing they called the brain internet and become unbeatable. Bonus? The suicidal headaches that had plagued her all her life would cease. But nothing comes without a price, and this connection would give others access to family secrets Yin-Yin has sworn to protect. Secrets that, at large and in the wrong hands, could be a very dangerous thing. Mm. That's interesting. I gotta say, I would love to get rid of headaches. So yeah. If I could connect myself to the brain internet, definitely would. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Oh. That's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Join us next time as we discuss All Systems Red by Martha oh. Wells. This is the whole reason why we created Robot Month. 
out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise. And become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is eating dodos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not even gonna correct it. <laughs> Get books. Eat dodos. You can find us at fictionalhangover.com. Follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover and on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no E-R. If you like this episode, check out our others and be sure to rate, review and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for her music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.